from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are here in Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 132. Hey, if it's Thursday, noon Eastern, you can call us right now at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter, and we have Dream Team in studio, Michelle and Dion, who want to hear from you. So give us a call, 844-942-7866, because if it's Thursday, it is open calls, and we are taking your calls right this second and all hour long. And to help us with today's show... We have a very fun guest today. We welcome Mark Miller, who is the founder of the Repurpose Your Career podcast, which is targeted to those in the second half of life to come together and discuss how to repurpose your career in the 21st century. Mark has pivoted in his career six times, including 22 years at IBM, teaching algebra in an inner city high school, and his most recent venture, starting the company Career Pivot, where he helps baby boomers find careers they can can grow with. He's taught in more than 35 countries and has published three books, numerous articles, and we're so excited to have him and his expertise on Career Talk. Welcome, Mark. Well, it's great to be with you, Dawn. It's only been a few months since I had you on my podcast. Exactly, exactly, which is a fantastic podcast. And I'm so excited because you are so experienced in this area. And it's such an important topic we're talking about. Um, and, and I love that you talk about the second half of life and, and you know, what are we going to do with our careers and how do we repurpose? I mean, there's so many interesting things to do nowadays. And I'm, I'm curious as we get started, Mark, you've pivoted six times. Can you briefly share with us what inspired these pivots? Well, I am what you refer to as a multi-potentialite. I have multi-potentialite. We got to tweet that multi-potentialite. <laughs> you've also you will hear the term scanners. These are people who have lots of different interests, and what happens is we get bored every three or four years, and we want to move on to the next thing. Now. Back when I worked for IBM in the 70s and 80s and into the 90s, that was okay because companies liked you to move around and become well-rounded individuals, which unfortunately today is not what people are looking for. They're looking for specialists. And so I would, in looking back at my career, every three to five years, I go, yeah, I want to do something different. And so therefore, I've constantly moved around. And, and and I always claim that all my career moves have been what I refer to as half-step career moves. Half-step. That is, yes. In other words, I had one foot in the old world. I had one foot in the new world. And I was always – there was always a relationship that took me across. In other words, I never did it alone. So I love this idea of um, multi-potentialite because we're going to be talking about that a lot in the show. And, I, you know, one of the things that I have to commend you on, though, Mark, is your your courage to do this. Because I think there's a lot of people who get interested in careers, you know, maybe every five years, 10 years, or they see new things coming out. But the idea of actually switching, I mean, to go from corporate at IBM to teaching math in an inner city high school, I mean, that is a pretty huge pivot. Well, Yes and no. I had been teaching adults in 40 different countries for the previous 20 years. So I went from teaching adults to teaching, believe it or not, mostly Hispanic teenage boys. So I always claim if I can train engineers in China, I can train anybody. So then the pattern with you is that you're always involved in a lot of different things, which gives you the opportunity to springboard into these potential careers. Is that is that kind of a pattern you've noticed, Mark? Yeah, yeah, there's no question. There's a lot of things that I've done in my career that I end up recycling over and over and over. In other words, some things we think are really different, but they're really not. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've spent time in 
uh, I was a, a, a geek that could speak at IBM. So I, from that, I, that was a sales and marketing. I've been in consulting. I actually use my consulting experience at IBM to help me start my, the career pivot. I use a lot of the things I learned back in the late 90s on how consulting businesses work that I use in career pivot on how I, how I work with people and teams and, and that's and I think that's really important, Mark, and I want to kind of hone in on that because I think we are all in the process of always reinventing ourselves, whether we're forced to because our company is is going through its own changes or layoffs or because we want to or because there's a situation in our personal life that, that forces us to. And I think, you know, what you're talking about is this idea of, of continuously growing your skills and continuously looking at, hey, what opportunities are there for me to apply something I've done? And one of the challenges that I see people getting into, Mark, with this is you get so mired in your title or your industry that you can't step back and see yourself as something as something else. And maybe it's because your your resume is filled with acronyms that are that have just become you. And so how do you step out of this identity? It's a psychological thing. How do you step out of the identity and take on a new one? Yeah, there's no question. Um very often we are defi- we define ourselves by our skills. And by the way, a lot of us, um, when we we develop these skills, because our employers pay us for these skills. I like to say a lot of us, when we started our career, we became actors. We play roles, and if we play those roles long enough, we start thinking we are those roles. Mm-hmm. And I know for at least for myself, and I see this over and over, when we hit our 50s and 60s, staying in character is exhausting. Say more about that. Well, I'll use an example. Perfect. Uh, I I became a phenomenally good public speaker. I, I said for IBM, I was a geek that could speak. If you met me you would think I'm a big-time extrovert. I'm wonderful in a networking event. I can work a room with the best. The problem is when I'm done, I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. When I'm done with this interview, you know, I can talk and talk and talk, and I'm good, and and I've honed this skill. The problem is it's exhausting for me to do. So when I'm done with this interview, I'm going to go take a break and take a nap. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> 844 uh-huh. Wharton 844-942-7866. Hey, naps have, have been shown to increase productivity, creativity, help with your memory. So I am I am very pro nap. Um you're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM channel one thirty two. We're here with Mark Miller, who is the founder of the Repurpose Your Career podcast and also the author of three books, one which is Repurpose Your Career, a practical guide for the second half of life. And he is an expert in all things encore career, retirement baby boomers. So if you've got a question, maybe you're thinking, is it time to retire? Or maybe you're forced to retire and you're thinking, where do I go from here? Maybe you're facing age bias in your job search. We want to hear from you today because Mark is a complete expert on all things in this area and you're not going to want to miss the opportunity to speak to him. 844-942-7866. So, um, so Mark, I, I, I want to kind of just step back and talk a little bit about the idea of what is an encore career? Well, an encore career can be any number of things. It could be um, something that you've wanted to do your entire life. It could be come from a hobby. It could come from something that you've you've dreamed of doing. Uh, I'll use the example. I'm now living in outside of Guadalajara, and we had an art walk uh, here recently where they had 30 different venues or artists were set up and about three quarters of the artists were gringos like me in Mexico who had taken up art after, after they moved there. And I asked almost all of them, you know, when we walk in, well, how long have you been doing this? And most of them said, Oh, I've been doing this since uh, I moved here. Well, how did you learn it? The surprising answer was YouTube. YouTube, yes. Yes. Uh, it, it blew me away. So 
the idea here is that Encore do something different. Now, if it has to be money-making, it's probably going to be somehow attached to something you've done in the past. So it's like I say, if, if I'm an engineer, like I, I, I'm a recovering engineer now, <laughs> and there's a 12-step program for that. Uh, we'll the, tweet that. <laughs> the, the point here is if I'm an engineer and I suddenly say I want to be a pastry chef, I'm sorry, it's probably not going to happen overnight if, if I need to make money. But if I suddenly said I want to be an engineer and I want to go work in a bakery, which then allows me as a, as a support person, which then allows me to get into becoming possibly a baker, which then allows me eventually to become a pastry chef. Yeah, and I like that example because what I find that a lot of people who have a hobby or an interest and think this is what I want to do, this is what how I want to make money maybe in the second half of life, they get into it and they realize it's not at all what they expected it to be, whether it's the hours, whether it's it's kind of you know the, the actual work. And so I do believe that sometimes when your hobby becomes your primary way of making an income, the joy gets kind of sucked out of it for some people. So so in some cases, you know, when I, I hate this advice, follow your passion, because sometimes your passion isn't necessarily meant to be your career. So um, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. One of the things you have to do your homework. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a whole chapter on my book on MSU disorder. And MSU stands for make stuff up. <laughs> I have that. I have that. It's called the pre-break quiz. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You can you can you can replace stuff with a four-letter Germanic word, but you know, it it still comes down to is do your homework. Is this something you want to do? Because um, many people, when you have a hobby, it's you get to control how much you want to do it, on what you want to do. When suddenly you have to do it for someone else for pay, well, you may. You may not want to like the sales process, the marketing process, or I've had – sometimes you have customers that you really don't want to work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, right? I mean, one of the things that my uh, my original business coach beat into me when I started Career Pivot was understanding the clients you want and the cl- and then understanding the clients you want to run away from. Very because important. And understanding right. how to identify them early. <laughs> well, so there's some that will are able to pay you, but will suck the life out of you in working with them. And it's just not worth it. And so learning how to identify that. And unfortunately for most of us, when you get started, the qualifications for a good client is someone who has a heartbeat. Yes. Uh, right? It's just someone has money and, and, and is alive. But it's it's learning the, the the business side, and very often people who have hobbies don't understand the business side of that. Yep. This is by the way, this is particularly true of artists and people who are highly creative. Because they love doing the creative side. They hate everything else. Well, yeah, and I, I would say that extends, I mean, to every aspect. I mean, even as like, you know, a career coach when I had my own business, I love the coaching. But then the, the follow-up on the payments and, you know, the, working with the accountant and all the, the background stuff and the marketing, that was certainly not where I wanted to spend my energy. But you don't realize how much energy you have to actually put in those things until you actually do it. And that's why I say clarity comes through action. Try it on. If you're thinking about it, like you said, get a job in a bakery. See what the hours are. See what, what it's like. Maybe you don't want to come home smelling like pastry. It's too tempting. I don't know. But you you have to really t- put your foot in it to understand if it's for you. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. If it's Thursday, it is Open Calls All Hour Long. So give us a call at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We're here with Mark Miller, who is the author of Repurpose Your Career, A Practical Guide for the Second Half of Life. He's got three books, multiple artic- articles, and all sorts of publications, and he has a podcast. So there's lots of ways you can find Mark and his expertise on this topic. But right now, we're going to go to Kevin in Maryland. Kevin, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Okay, well, here's a scenario. Um, I'm, I'm a, well, 49 years old, going on 50, and um, all my life I've either did either customer service, 
Um, uh, I was an entrepreneur for a little while, uh, and um, my 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 aspirations was to be to uh, get into the IT field, which I'm currently in right now. Um, but it's just that uh, it's like very rudimentary type of work, and I want to do a higher level of that. Uh, I realize that I need to go uh, I need to uh, go back to school. Uh, I've also uh, also realized that there are certifications that I need to obtain, and I'm working towards those now. I just need to be able to get an idea as to um, if I'm going the right direction mm-hmm. and if there is any more that I need to do to get there a little bit faster uh, because, you know, I'm getting older and I, I want to try to at least accomplish that uh, at least uh, a higher level of what I want want to do. Yep. So you want to get on the fast track. So so uh, when you say you want a higher level, are you talking about managing people? Or are you talking about different types of of IT? Tell us what you mean by that, Kevin. Sure. Okay. So my 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 dream job in the IT field is uh, to become a computer systems analyst. Uh, and here's why: um, a lot of the work that is of uh, it's more of like a consultant type aspect where. Uh, I go into a, to a particular organization and say, hey, look, uh, we need X, Y, Z. Okay, well, then I would be the person that would look up those the, the, that, that aspect um, to, to solve that issue. Not only uh, be able to find, I would find a supplier, I would be able to manage the aspect of who is supposed to come in to service that, that, that particular aspect. You know, so I would probably pretty much do, I, I would have multiple hats of um, dealing with whatever that, that, that solution is. So tell also, me, and it also includes some training as well in that. Yeah, so tell me, Kevin, when you say you need a degree, what, what kind of degree were you thinking you need? Well, um, according to um, the uh, onet.com uh, yep. and um, uh, the U.S. Occupational uh, Handbook, uh, it says that I need a, a BA, which uh, I know... When uh, the school that I went that I'm, that I'm currently going to now, I have about I have like 23 credits, so I can take those uh, those those credits to um, uh, to continue to, to to get my AA degree uh, or AS rather, and then uh, they have a program now where you can take that AS and transfer that to a to one of the participating co- uh, four-year colleges. Yep, uh, and that'll give you you'll be able to get a, an actual BA. Yes. So, okay. Um, yeah. And I love Onet online. That is a great resource to go to if you're looking to switch careers and you want to kind of get a sense of, of what you might need to do that. But here's here's the cool deal, Kevin. Where we are today, especially when it comes to IT and tech, a lot of companies are foregoing that four-year degree. And the fact that you're, you're already stepping into it and taking classes is probably enough. And you might be able to get your foot in the door and have the company contribute towards the rest of your degree and get it kind of over your own time rather than having to get that first. So I think that's something you need to consider. A lot of companies, and you could do a quick Google search on this, are just saying, you know what, we don't realize, we put BA required or needed, but we don't really have a good justification for that. So if you've got the skills and you can network into that role, that's going to be more important than the coursework that you do. I'm not saying you shouldn't continue to get it. And, you know, if you can get the company to, to contribute to that. But the certifications might be more relevant. They're obviously faster to get. And you have to decide, um, you know, which ones are going to make the most sense for where you want to go. But But I think your entrepreneurial background, your customer service, which in my opinion is one of the most difficult jobs out there, is is really going to contribute to your success in this area. But I'm going to ask Mark to weigh in. Sure. <clears throat> You're in an <clears throat> excuse me. You're in an industry that is being disrupted big time. So going back to school and getting your, you know, your getting your AS degree is probably a good thing. Do it on your schedule, but then go go get certified. And in any one of the cloud-based certifications, probably Amazon is probably the first one, the Google is the second. The second piece is niche down as best you can. In other words, if you want to be in IT but and you want to be a systems analyst, in system analyst of what? Do you want to be ERP? Do you want to be uh, back-end web services? 
niche down as much as you can because, again, people are looking for specialists. And if you can be very, very targeted, then you then you will you will take training and certifications that will get you somewhere. Yeah, I love that. I love that idea. Do you have an idea, uh, Kevin? Do you have a, a, a niche that you're looking at right now? Well, um, well, my well before uh, getting into uh, customer service and all, I used to work in the mental health field. So, so in the health field, uh, there is I forgot what the what the term is, uh, but, but I mean, but that but I mean, but that was one avenue that I looked into. Uh, because like I mean, HIPAA, I'm I'm kind of familiar with that. You're just talking about like HIPAA qualifications and that. Yes. Okay, um, so that's perfect. So you actually have industry experience, which is unique. I mean, I, I know uh, Mark, you were talking about earlier a geek who could speak as you were defining yourself, and those are unique combinations. So Kevin, I think you do have a unique combination of skills that employers are going to want. You you're looking to go into an area where you have a background in the industry, mental health, and probably a lot of people don't have that background. And so you can look at everything you've done. You said you're 49 going on 50. And what I would do is I would pick and choose from your background what is going to be most applicable to the employers you're looking at. So if you're looking at hospitals or, or um, you know, other types of, of social systems, look at those and bring your skills there. I have no doubt that you don't have to wait. You you are on the track. You've got the skills. You're pursuing the certifications. You're pursuing the associate's degree on your own time. But I don't think you have to wait. I think if you define that, you have a good career story, you start branding yourself on LinkedIn through your resume and with your networks, people are going to take notice. Mark, any last advice for Kevin? Yeah, I always, whenever I help people brand themselves, I usually like to find uh, odd combinations. You know, I use the geek that could speak. We know that's an oxymoron. And we all have these odd combinations. By the way, that very often is your superpowers mm-hmm. and understanding, because that's what makes you different. So the, like you say, the, the mental health combination with IT, is that's a good combination. And figure out how you can leverage that. Yeah, and a rare combination. I don't think you're going to find that too much. And I think you're going to find companies who will take notice of you for that. And one of the things that is so critical is really honing in on that niche and and branding yourself in that way, Kevin. You know, some people want to be all things to all people, but when you do that, you dilute your brand and you become nothing to anybody. So it's, it's, as Mark was saying, that specialist idea. I call it your unique selling point. What is the combination of your background or skills or personality or approach or education or whatever it is for you that is going to be appealing to an employer and make you stand out among the competition. So, Kevin, we wish you all the best of luck. Thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. Hey, if it's Thursday, we are here all hour long taking your calls live right now at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Mark Miller, who is a six-time pivoter, a multi-potentialite, an author of three books, including Repurpose Your Career, a Practical Guide for the Second Half of life. And we are talking all about encore careers and how to repurpose in the second half of life. So so let's let's kind of talk to we talked a little bit about what an encore career is. One of the cool things, have you heard of fractional executives? I love this idea of of um, kind of carving your own path and this idea of you know people who have this knowledge, institutional knowledge kind of going back and working on their own time to contribute to either transition to a new executive or to the growth of a company or to a transformation. Uh, this is a great way to use your skills. Have you have you worked with this, Mark? Sure. Another way of looking at this, uh, quote, a fractional, like a fractional CFO, or a, which is the most common one I've seen, is also looking at this as a portfolio career, mm-hmm. i.e. looking at um, doing multiple things. Because the one thing, I, I, I have an online community now, and one of the common themes of everyone in the community is everybody wants freedom. They want freedom on how hard they want to work, on what they want to work, on when they want to work. And uh, so I'll use the example. I've got a gentleman in the community who is uh, – he was a CEO of a um, 
of a real estate association. And now he is working three or four days a week at the Small Business Development Center as a business advisor. He's teaching a single class online in a local university, and he's starting up his consulting business. All of those he can control and decide, okay, what do I want to work on next? Yeah, I love that. Right? And that's one of the things that most of us, you know, I, I, I've been transforming my business into a virtual one because I want to go, I want to be location independent. And I think a lot uh, of people look at a portfolio career as less secure. Like even when I recommend to people if they can't get their foot in the door to, you know, start as a contractor, start as a temp, get your foot in the door and meet people, you know, and then see where it goes. If, if people want a full-time salaried position because they feel that there's a lot of security in that. And I I kind of feel like the opposite. I feel like if you've got a portfolio career where maybe you have an anchor job that you do a couple days a week and then you have, you know, other means of income filling in that portfolio, I feel like in a lot of ways that is actually more secure because you're building your networks in a lot of different circles. You obviously have multiple streams of income. So if one goes away, you still have other areas and you're learning to be adaptable, which is a critical skill that people need today. What are your thoughts on that, Mark? Well, I was on a panel discussion about a year and a half ago, and one of the gentlemen who was on the discussion um, made a comment to me that said, if you want to work into your 70s, which, by the way, most of us will do, you need to plan that in your 50s. The reality is when you're working in your 70s, it's probably not a single full-time job. And it's it's probably this portfolio that you're going to end up doing. And and if you think a single full-time job is secure today, you're smoking something and you are inhaling. <laughs> because Can't argue with no that. Secu- you are – there is no security. You're right. Actually, there is. The the security comes within you. That's what I say. Within you, within your network, within building your skills, within repurposing your your current value to align with the market. That's where the security comes. If you're constantly doing those things, and I know it sounds a little daunting, but if you're constantly – looking out and seeing the opportunities and taking advantage of them. And it doesn't have to be exhausting. It could just be like, hey, that's interesting. I want to learn more. Or, hey, I need to meet some more people who are in this field that I'm, I'm kind of thinking about. You will build security within that. But you're right. The security does not lie with an employer. It does not lie with any of the, the laws that are out there to protect you. Companies have no loyalty to keep you. And in a lot of ways, you don't have loyalty to stay. And that's unfortunate, but you have to protect your interests and you have to keep growing and repurposing. Hey, you're listening to Career Talk, Sirius XM channel 132. And we're going to go to Jeff in Oregon. Jeff, welcome to the show. It's on your mind today. Hey, I just want to let you know I'm in Oregon, so we can legally uh, inhale uh, what we (laughs) need to over here. (laughs) Well played, Jeff. Well played. All right. So here's my question. Um, I'm currently working for a company that I am not happy at. I'm 50 years old. Um, I plan on starting my own business, doing the exact same thing. Um, But I have a golden uh, parachute plan um, once I leave here. But I'm, I'm, I got the security here. I got the resources, all the equipment and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to start from scratch if I leave. But I'm buying my time here, and I'm just sitting here working. But I'm not putting 100% into it. And I'm thinking, why would I even go out and get new clients when I can't have them when I leave? So should I just quit and just you know, scratch it there, or what? What? Well, yeah, there's, should I do? There's a lot of untangling to do here. I mean, I mean, do you have a non-compete? Um, how much would it cost you to get startup in this new business? Would you lose all your customers? I mean, there's a lot yeah. of things going on here. That I have a I have a non-solicitation for 18 months for my current clients. No, I don't have a non-compete. Okay, um, Mark, do you want to weigh in on this one? Sure. This is where you need to go. Probably I would go to your small business development center. 
which is located in your own county. You can uh, you can just Google Small Business Development Center Oregon, and it'll direct you to. And go talk to some folks. The the what I like to say is find someone who has who can number one who can help you, but also if you can find someone who's taken this path before you, and who can act as a guide. That is very, very valuable. You're not the first one who's done this. Um, and, and one of the ways of doing this is finding people who are kind of doing the kinds of things you want, you're doing today and who have a similar background to what you have. And reach out and talk to them. And they don't have to be local. They can be anywhere in the country. Yeah. I, I think you'll – Go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I really like that idea because you're going to think of, they're going to help you think of things you're not thinking of. Like, are, you know, are, are you going to have to relocate? Are you going to, um, you know, what what is the deal with health benefits? I mean, how are you going to get those? And, and all of these little, little details that, you know, over time can be like, okay, wow, this is not worth it. But one thing I will say, Jeff, I would not, I would not quit <laughs> without um, having a solid plan in place. That's for sure. Mark? Yeah, I that's that's where getting some helps where you can go talk to some folks and I could say get out of your own head because uh, inside your head is a very dark place and and work through what are the obstacles. Well, and, can I can I can I interject here? Sure. sure. I um I've gone through the business plan and everything for the last year. I have all the. I've gone through the expenses, all the capital I'm going to need, everything like that. So I got all that laid out. My main thing is, should I go do it? Um, or should I just cut ties right now rather than, you know, if every client I get now is not going to be somebody I can see for 18 months. Plus, it's my reputation that I'm going out and saying, hey, just come, come work with me. And then a month later, I leave. So, yeah. So I don't know your financial situation, but I think you want to make sure you have something to cover you should this not go in the direction that you want. I think that's one. So I do. OK. I, for, I get a four year payout. Perfect. Um you know, hopefully in your plan, you've looked into health care and how all of that's going to work. Um, mm-hmm. That could be super expensive and super inconvenient. Mm-hmm. So and I, and I also think that um, if you if there's something in your current job that that you're very dissatisfied about and you're not going it's not going to change and you've tried to change it, then, you know, this might be the right move for you. But I'm curious about that. I'm curious why you're so eager, like why you're just like, I want to quit and do it right now. Where's that coming from? Well, because because uh, I've been almost wanting to do this for the last year and a half, and I just never got to the point where it was like you know it's the money's fine, but it's it's more of uh, I want to be in control of what I want to do and not have to follow the rules of somebody else coming up with stuff. It's, it's getting more corporate here than I, w- I would than I would enjoy. So yeah, so I mean, if you've been thinking about it for a year and a half, then you've obviously been thinking about it for a long time. I would just caution you that working with customers and clients, it's a different type of rules and working for somebody. So it doesn't go away completely. It's just a different side of it. Um, So yeah, I I like the idea of clarity comes through action. So talk to some people, ask the pros and cons, think about how that relates to your values, your future. My, My other question for you is, if you decide it doesn't work, could you go back? No, not to this company, but I have enough uh, credentials and, and education and experience. I could almost get a job immediately anywhere I want. In the and I, I do HR and compensation benefits. Oh and that yeah, kind of stuff. We're always looking so for that stuff. So I've got good. all my certificates and licenses and everything. SPHR, and, all that stuff. Yeah, I got all that. Okay. So, um, it, it's easy to do that, but then I'd be working for it. The only the only company I'd want to work for would be probably a pro baseball team. Other than that, I don't want to be an employee. <laughs> all right. Well, then, I mean, then what I'm hearing is this is relatively low risk in the sense that if you decide, hey, this isn't what I thought it would be. It's not cracked up to be what I envisioned. You have options to, um, you know, to execute. And I think that's another important part of this decision. So we wish you all the best, Jeff. Um, 
you can inhale. We love that. Thank you for supporting Career Talk. We really do appreciate all of our callers and listeners, and we'd love to hear how it turns out. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We have to go to our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz? Okay, it's a history quiz. Until 1796, there was a state in the U.S. called Franklin. What is that state called today? If you think you know, give us a call at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM, Channel 132. We'll be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We're here on Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. If it's Thursday, it is open calls, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We are here with Mark Miller, founder of the Repurpose Your Career podcast. And Mark, where can people reach you if they'd like more information? Sure. The easiest place is just go to my website at careerpivot.com careerpivot.com. So in case you missed the pre-break quiz, it's a history one today. Until 1796, there was a state in the U.S. called Franklin. What is that state called today? If you think you know, give us a call at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We're going to go right to the phones. We're going to go to Leona in Tennessee. Welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Yes, hello. I was calling... um I just left, uh, well, I left a career in teaching um, after 12 years, and um, I was teaching the public school system and just kind of was realizing that I was getting burnt out on just in being in the public school system. So I left with the intention or the goal of doing another career in my master's, which was technology integration, uh, master's in education which kind of takes you down the road of either an instructional designer, designing online curriculums for companies or schools, you know, universities, or you could do online teaching, or you could work as a technology specialist in a school system. It's just kind of an umbrella of positions. But now I'm finding after about two years of being out of the classroom that a lot of the positions I look at, they either require you to have two to three years of experience already working in that type of position, or they're wanting you to have uh, knowledge of or experience with working with certain software. These uh, they call them LMSs, learning management systems. Yep. And so now I'm feeling a little jaded with the masters that I got because the programs did not, you know, they didn't cover or prepare us. They didn't teach us software. They didn't, you know. It was more along the lines of kind of theory and and how to consult and help education systems, you know, integrate technology as opposed to the the technical side. So just kind of wondering what I need to do or how I might need to go about making myself more marketable and being able to actually land some interviews with a lot of these positions. Yep. Because uh, there's tons of instructional education positions, instructional designer positions out there um, and even with online teaching they want you to already have years experience teaching online or they want you to have adult education right so leona this is like the age-old problem is that you know people you have to have experience to get the job but you can't get the job without experience kind of thing and you're right. A lot of people go back to school because they think this is a great stepping stone into it. And it's not that it's a bad one, but it doesn't really prepare you for the actual job world. And you're and you're right. Hiring managers value direct experience over classroom time. So so you now have some lingo and some some great things from getting your master's. 
But here's the thing. You are going to, if this is what you keep facing, you have a couple of options. One, you can try and get some experience with these tools, either through certifications or even through volunteering at, at you know smaller companies or even trying to get your foot in the door as a contractor to learn some of these things. Or you can also work with your network who can be an amazing resource to get you past some of this bias that, that likely is getting your resume kicked out of the applicant tracking system because you don't have this experience so that you can speak to a hiring manager about how you can add value based on what you know. Now, if they're looking for experience with a certain system and you don't have it, then I think you need to look for ways that maybe you can get into a company through perhaps a different route and learn that type of experience. And there's, so there's a lot of paths to do it, but you are so absolutely right that this is this is a dilemma. People go back to school thinking, I'm going to get prepared to do this just to get out and hear, well, you don't have the two to three years. Mark, can you weigh in on this? Sure. This is an area I have lots of experience in being a former instructional designer. Fantastic. It, the key piece here is, again, like we discussed with the gentleman before, you're going to have to get and get specific. So what I would do is be looking at the jobs that that you're looking at that look interesting and what tools are they using. Then I would go figure out how I can learn those tools as inexpensively as I can, whether it's going through a certification, whether it's getting on LinkedIn Learning, whether it's going through Udemy. You figure out how you can pick up these tools and learn them. Now, this might mean developing some online coursework that you then put up on Udemy or one of the other marketplaces to show that you actually know how to do this stuff. But you're going to have to invest. And I would, again, I'd pick, you know, uh, you know, it, it used to be articulate, uh, captivate. Uh, there are any number of very well-known tools that are you can get affordably, particularly if you can take a class at the uh, local community college because you usually pick up an educational version of the software at a very, very inexpensive price. And then start doing it. And similarly, your friends are going to help you. Mm -hmm. uh, your network is going to help you. Uh, figure out who works at these places and help help you get a foot in the door. But you're going to have to invest in a certificate in the in, into your skills, and it's going to be on your nickel. Yeah, and and um, Leona, I know you're thinking. Well, <laughs> I just spent two years getting my master's degree, and now I have to go for more. But I think this is this is the exact next step. Employers, especially if they're hiring somebody who maybe doesn't have two to three years and they're asking for two to three years, they want to see some level of investment. And your master's degree is an investment. And now taking that extra step, as Mark mentioned, pick one. Maybe it's the LMS, the Learning Management System, and really focus in on that and dig down into that and start blogging on that and start building your reputation around that. That's going to be what gets hiring managers to notice you. Thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk, Leona. We wish you all the best, and we are going to go to Sarah in Texas. Sarah, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Great. Thanks for having me. So I've got a little bit different dilemma here. I am considering leaving academia, where for all intents and purposes is a fairly secure job. Um, I know you guys talked about that earlier, but I'm I'm so bored, um, and I'm thinking of just walking away and I'm actually still junior faculty, considering going up early for full tenure uh, in the next year or two, but I'm just kind of wanting to see what you guys think of walking away from something like that. So, okay, so you're bored. Tell us what that means. It's Well, I left the private sector to get my Ph.D., which I loved. I was in finance, and I absolutely just loved it um, because there was so much energy, but at the same time, it was burnout. So I got the Ph.D., have been in academia now, uh, going on three years, and it's just boring to me. It's so slow-paced. I like my research, but in reality, nobody reads our stuff right, other than other <laughs> academics. You're so I mean, right. It's the truth. <laughs> my dissertation is collecting dust somewhere in a library. Yep. Right, and so I, I have the struggle of I can. there's a greater purpose that I can be doing than writing stuff that nobody reads, maybe helping out in a community or something, but... That would mean a big 
pay cut uh, and everything that goes with that. So I was just crying, trying to see what you guys thought of maybe walking away from a career that's yeah. pretty much secure for the rest of your life. Yeah. So so here's the thing. Um, I know it feels that this is secure for the rest of your life, but with things changing, I mean, there's so much going on around educational institutions and the cost and, well, like scandals right now. Um, mm-hmm. you, there's really nothing secure. And yes, it's more secure than certain things. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Mark and his half-step moves because I am kind of thinking about a portfolio career for you, but I want to hear Mark. Mark, since he's our he's our expert guest today. Okay. Yeah, I've I've got a guy in my online community who's a full tenured professor, and he'd been he's late forties, and he's reached a point of where he's bored because all he's doing is chasing grant money. Mm-hmm. And what he finally decided that he wanted to do was he wanted to get into policy. So the question comes down to is okay, how can you do that? And he came up with two plans. One of them was the nice, safe plan, which is he found a fellowship that he could do this for a year. And the second one was to carefully cultivate in his current job who he can partner with on a project that he might want to work for later. Okay. Right? And so start looking at, okay, more importantly, for someone like yourself, I don't want you running away from your current job because you're bored. I want you to run to something. Yes. Okay. So what is it you want to run to? And that's the, I mean, that's what we help this gentleman do in, the, in my online community of helping him kind of work through his head. And by the way, in order to get the fellowship, his assumption, he had to get his boss's approval and his his assumption was the boss would never approve so his accountability partner said go talk to her and he's going but she's going to say no and she kept on going go talk to her and you know what she when he finally went and talked to his boss she said how can i help Fantastic. Okay. So I totally agree, Sarah. I think you the great thing about where you are now is you know some of the things you love to do and you know some of the things you don't like to do. And I think it's going to be super helpful to map all of that out. And maybe you do want to work with a career coach who can help you be objective and kind of step away and say, hey, I really love this aspect of finance, but I didn't love working 80 hours a week. And I really actually like this part of academia, but I don't like these boring parts. And laying those all out and then picking and choosing. And here's the thing. You you don't have to go into a pre-existing job. And I want I want to kind of say this loud and clear. We tend to go online and look at these jobs that exist and say, where do I fit? You don't have to do that. You can create something that fits you. And I think that's kind of where you are right now. You've got a great experience. You've got a great background. It sounds like you probably have a great network as well. And now what I'd love for you to do is is exactly what Mark said, run to, but you got to figure that out because I want you to be excited about where you're going. And let's face it, if, if you're going to go to another company, an employer is going to want you to be excited about where you're going. So that's what I would recommend. Step back, maybe get a coach, map out everything, and you create the job you want that fits you. And I'd love to see you do that, Sarah. Thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. You're listening to Sirius XM Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Mark Miller. And we're talking all about how to repurpose your career. But right now, we should answer our pre-break quiz. So let's do that. All right. Until 1796, there was a state in the U.S. called Franklin. What is that state called today? And actually, I'm going to go to the phones because I got a second question for you, Dion. Great. Yeah. So I'm going to go to Brian in Virginia. What's your answer? Sure. My answer is Tennessee. And and why do you say Tennessee? Well, my daughter was actually recently speaking about this maybe six months ago, and, I, and I'll be honest, I couldn't quite remember the state, so I had to Google and verify that, but I say it's busy because I verified it online, and my daughter's actually learning about it now in history class. Oh, you Googled it? You Googled it? Well, I had to Google to verify. Um, my yes, thinking. that's Googling it. That's Googling. <laughs> Dion's hey, very upset. You know, that, that's <laughs> using, that, yeah, that's using all available resources. Yeah, that's a great euphemism. <laughs> well, you are right, Brian. It is Tennessee, um, created shortly after the Revolutionary War. The state of Franklin only lasted four years, but its legacy remains. Apparently, it's on Google. 
Um, <laughs> the land that comprised Franklin would become the northeast section of Tennessee. So there you go. You were right. And and um, hey, I, I got to can we pop over to Jeff in Illinois for a second? Jeff, I know I knew you had the right answer. I knew you had Tennessee, but I need to know if you Googled it. Uh, no, I didn't Google it. All right. Well, I think he gets a ding then, because if he knew that, how would you know that, Jeff? Because I passed through Tennessee before and I saw signs and then I Googled it. But that was like. <laughs> <laughs> OK, you Googled it 10 years ago. That counts. That counts. Well, great job. Well, you know, I looked it up. <laughs> All right. You know. All right. We have to we have to put a uh, caveat here. No Googling. At least not for Dion. But I have another question for you, Dion. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. You both. You guys both got it right. Um, and here's the thing. Google's not always right. So there's that. All right. Ready, Dion? This is another timed one. Oh, this, boy. I know. This is the only state, the only state with one syllable. Do, 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 do. <laughs> this is hard. Oh, uh, it's not Maine. Wow! <laughs> Very nice, Dion. That is impressive. That is super impressive. I know the states. Yeah, and, and it's not even the shortest number of letters. That is so impressive. Uh, Dion, that's Ohio. two weeks in a I know. Yeah. No, I, Utah. Iowa. Oh, no, same. Wait, <laughs> same. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no state with less than four letters, but there are a number of them. Iowa, Ohio, Utah. So, Way to count. Wait, way to count. <laughs> nice, Michelle. <laughs> hey, um, you're just tuning in. You're listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. It is Open Call Thursday. So if you'd like to ask a question, we are here all hour at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And we have our guest, Mark Miller, who is the author of Repurpose Your Career, Practical Guide to the Second Half of Life, as well as two other books, multiple articles. And he has a fantastic podcast also called Repurpose Your Career. Hey, Mark, where's where can people reach you one last time? So you can reach me at careerpivot.com, and if anyone's interested in my online community, which I don't advertise except on my podcast, you can find it careerpivot.com slash community. Fantastic. Well, I loved all the new the new vocabulary we learned today, Mark. I love the multi-potentialite. We should all be multi-potentialites. Half-step moves, which are taking one foot and putting it into the new career while while keeping one foot where you are just so that you can um, you can try it out and then MSU make stuff up which which we really try not to do here on career talk but uh, sometimes it happens with the pre-break quiz so mark this has been fantastic as we're closing out what's one final tip you have for people who are looking to repurpose their careers yeah the key piece is one of the things we, we all develop these skills in our first first half of life. And one of the questions I always ask is, which ones do you want to carry forward and which ones do you want to leave behind? Well said. Well said. Thank you so much for imparting your expertise with us today, Mark. You've had an incredible career full of pivots and you're such an inspiration. We wish you all the best on, on your next pivot which will be pivot number seven of course thank you to michelle and dion for making this show fun two weeks in a row Dion got the quiz question right i don't know what's, what's happening in the universe but but it is shifting that is awesome and of course to all of our listeners and callers we do this show every week for you and you can follow us on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham, or you can find past episodes on iTunes and Google Play if you go to Dr. Don on Careers. You've been listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 132, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>